Hi Hannah, welcome to the Global Leaders Podcast with Founders Club International. My name is Lamia and I will be your host for today. I'm so excited to speak to you today. Um, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me to join. Of course. Um, so before we start um, and you know dive into obviously you going to Riyadh with Founders Club International and Saudi Vision 2030, all of that, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure, absolutely. I'm so excited for this. Um, so my name is Hannah Mamushka. I'm, a, I'm actually a scientist by training. I'm a molecular biologist. I started my career at National Cancer Institute, and then I spent a few years in the pharma industry. I really fell in love with this idea of using diagnostics and data to make better healthcare decisions, you know, and I thought that 25 years ago, um, we would be in a place now where every decision that we made in healthcare would be informed by diagnostic tools, genomics, genetics. Um, but we really haven't gotten there. And, you know, I started my company in 2016, my company Alva 10 in 2016, to really try to understand why we're not using patient specific data and diagnostics more, and how to make case, both from a clinical and an economic perspective, um, because particularly in the U.S., economic decisions drive healthcare decision-making, um, and we need to understand why and how we can introduce these tools to improve healthcare. Okay, I think that's amazing. Um, so if, like, there was anything that you could change about, you know, the healthcare industry, if you had a magic wand and automatically change something about the healthcare industry, what is something that you would change about it? I think historically, healthcare decisions have been made based on population data um, and based on the experience of, of the physicians, essentially assuming everyone is close to the average. And, you know, you always wanted to go see the physician that had the most experience treating that disease because you were likely to be somewhere in that average category and their experience was likely to help you. And I think that was, I think that was fine. Um, when we didn't have the ability to look at genomics, genetics, proteomics. But now I think we're in a place where we shouldn't be making healthcare decisions without really asking the question of, you know, how do we make this decision? Is it specific to the patient? Is it specific to their genetics, genomics? Um, how do we assess risk? How do we determine what diseases you should be screened for? How do we determine how we diagnose you? And when we diagnose you with a disease, how do we determine what is the best therapeutic option for you? Um, you know, when we look at the landscape of drugs that have been developed in the past 30 or 40 years, we have the most amazing medicines in the history of the world. Yeah. When I say that, what I mean is we have these medicines that are just exquisitely developed to the very specific biology and biologic mechanisms of the disease. But we get 90% of the way there in the development. And then we don't bother to find that biological mechanism in the patient. And that that's a, that's a miss. And it's also a huge opportunity because if we look at the opportunity to pair that biological understanding with the targeted therapies, we could completely change how patients are treated and get away from this, you know, concept of trial and error medicine where you start a drug and it, your, your doctor tells you, well, try this and see if it works. Everybody's heard that. Try this and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, come back and try something else. The average response rate for drugs approved by the US FDA is 36%. 
And if we use diagnostics to figure out where you are in that 36%, we could dramatically change how medications are prescribed. I think that definitely makes sense. And do you think that your company is really achieving that goal? And if not, how are you working towards achieving that? So I tried for a long time to sort of argue the scientific and clinical perspective, which I think is logical. And I think a lot of people with my background, you know, that is what they endeavor to do. But the reality is in, in the U.S. healthcare system, for sure, if you don't understand the economics behind it, then it is difficult to create that change. And so the way that we are driving for that change is to show that it not only makes clinical sense to use patient-specific data and diagnostics when we make any kind of healthcare decision, but that it also makes economic sense, that it is wasteful when we uh, prescribe things to patients and the patient has an adverse event and they end up in the hospital and we could have predicted that that was going to happen or when we you know perform a procedure and we could have known that that patient was not going to have any benefit from the procedure as well as when we miss opportunities you know both in the US and globally we have a problem with rising incidence of cancer in the younger population actually in the in the millennial population we have this this increased risk that's related to obesity and type 2 diabetes, but most millennials are not eligible for cancer screening because cancer screening is generally age-based. Well, if we use data to identify which patients or which of the population are actually at elevated risk, we can show the economic benefit and the clinical benefit of pulling screening into the populations that need it most. You know, it's really, it's really about how can we use data to make better healthcare decisions? Um, and what are the implications of doing that both clinically and economically? I think that's very interesting. Um, so what you just said, um, moving on to, you know, in regards with the Saudi Vision 2030, are there any projects that you're most looking forward to, you know, and that align with your goals and your industry and your work? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that the Saudi vision for changing healthcare um, is extremely exciting. You know, in the U.S., we haven't been able to get out of our own way in some ways. We have this abundance of technology, um, but we have trouble actually implementing it. And we don't really have a strategy to implement it. And I think what is exciting to me about the Saudi vision for changing healthcare is the interest in improving healthcare for all Saudi citizens by using better tools, better ways to make decisions and more informed ways of making decisions. And I think that, you know, there's an opportunity to create a model um, that can be followed by other countries who have really struggled to frame this well and, and pursue it adequately. Yeah, I think, um, there is specifically specifically this one project, um, the Saudi Genome Project. I don't know if you've heard of that, which I think would really align with your goals because I think the way that they're, um, you know, what they're doing basically is they're using uh, genetic, they're basically creating targeted interventions for managing or preventing genetic disorders. So they're also tailoring, um, you know, their healthcare based on everybody's separate genetic profile, which I think is very interesting. And I think that could really align with your goals as well. Um, it absolutely aligns. It absolutely aligns. And I think that it's something that's been talked about in other countries, including the US. 
And there's been this ideation and it's really exciting to see someone say, all right, well, this is, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to build our healthcare system to make decisions like this. Yeah. Um, so um, what are your general goals for the trip for when you go to Riyadh? So, you know, I, I really, uh, you know, as far as the genome project specifically, I want to understand how they're thinking about it, um, what diseases they're thinking about and how broadly um, they're thinking. Because I, you know, I think that from a scientific perspective, everyone starts with the genome. Everyone starts by thinking about by thinking about genetic diseases, by thinking about DNA, by thinking about how do we diagnose rare diseases? How do we use genetics to assess for risk of diseases like cancer? And then I think that there are sort of one more step and two more steps more broadly. How do we use genomics, the combination of DNA and RNA? How do we use proteomics? How can we use metadata to assess risk, to inform decision-making? to stratify populations, um, you know, and I think where Saudi has such a data infrastructure around their healthcare system, they're able to uh, query it in a way that not every country is able to, not every country has the infrastructure that they have. And the ability to ask questions also allows you to say, what do we need? Where are the inefficiencies within our healthcare system? Where are the, what are the disease areas? What are the clinical decision points where we need information, where we need to know how do we change management of this patient population? How do we treat patients to improve their care? And having that tie-in um, between the genomics and the electronic health records, um, as well as the support of the government, I think puts them in a unique position to really create a model. Um, and, you know, we're really, I'm really interested in that because I think that in, in the diagnostics industry and in the lab industry in the U.S. and globally, what usually happens is that people make scientific discoveries, they discover a gene, they discover a biomarker or a target, and then they bring that to market um, and try to find a way to show the clinical relevance of that. And I, I think that that's fine. And I think that that's, I think that's one way to think about it. But I think that the other way to go about it is to look at population data in a way that you can break out uh, clinical decision-making opportunities and then really ask what, what would make a difference here? If we were able to stratify patients, if we were able to predict an adverse event, if we were able to predict the development of disease, how would we change the treatment inflection point for that patient population. And I think that is really the opportunity to develop tools that are really going to change patient care. And do you think that, um, are there any specific connections in the Saudi that you think would help you align your goals or that, you know, you feel like your vision is the same with those people? Like, are there any specific people that you're uh, looking forward to meeting? Well, we've we've had some contacts um, in the Ministry of Health um, that that I think we're very aligned with, um, and so uh, that's where we're really hoping to have meetings. Okay, that's nice. Um, I hope you get to achieve that and get to move this forward. Um, so, what originally appealed you, or you know, sparked your interest when you wanted when you decided to go to the Saudi, and when you you know when you came across Founders Club International. 
So I have uh, an employee from Saudi on my team, and she has described how the uh, the healthcare infrastructure has really changed over the course of her career, and how it has really changed, um, and is really thinking forward and thinking about how to incorporate data and thinking about how to change clinical practice in a way that is far accelerated from, I think, most of Europe and, and the US. And I think part of that just comes from, you know, being a smaller country um, and having the ability to be a little bit more nimble and maybe a little bit less bureaucratic. Um, and I think that the ability to create case models and study and develop data um, within that size of a population could really create a model for how to develop uh, what, what I think of as, you know, a data-focused healthcare system um, as an example um, for the world. I mean, I think that in, in, a, in a country like Saudi, you just have such an ability to connect the patient data, the claims data, the drug data, the genetic data, and really understand what, what is going to make a difference for patients. Yeah, I think that's very true. And the world is getting so technologically advanced that I think it's very important to, it's very important for us to adapt in that way. Um, so I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, so switching gears a little bit besides work, um, what's something that, you know, is sparking your interest in the Saudi culture, you know, any cool things that you're maybe looking forward to? Well, I haven't been to the Middle East yet. It's one of the only places in the world I haven't been yet. So I'm I'm very excited to go. Um, I'm very curious to experience the food and experience the culture and um, maybe experience the heat. We'll see. <laughs> when I'm um, but uh, I think I'm probably most excited about um, the food. I love I love Middle Eastern food. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, and how I wanted to ask you, um, how do you think these collaborations and, you know, going to this trip, achieving your goals will add value to the work that you do in the U.S.? So I think, you know, the U.S. has a we have a really challenging relationship with healthcare in the U.S. Um, you know, in the U.S., a disproportionate amount of our GDP goes to healthcare. And most of that money is not well spent. Most of it is wasted. Most of it is spent on middlemen. Most of it is spent on, you know, companies and entities that are very powerful, um, but not really impacting and improving patient care. We have an insurance system that is not really built to help patients. Um, most of our insurance companies are publicly traded. Um, and they're fiduciary to their investors, um, which is fine as long as everyone understands how healthcare decisions are made. And I think it it really it really clarifies that in the U.S., healthcare decisions are financial first. Yeah, and that can be that creates incentives. Um, it creates incentives for the hospitals. It creates incentives for the insurers. Um, it does create incentives for physicians, and I and I get in trouble for saying that sometimes. Um, but the reality is, you know, if you have a healthcare system where it's so expensive to go to medical school, and physicians come out with so much debt, and then they are incentivized to do certain things that enable them to get paid more, um, you, you can't deny that that has an impact. And I think that. 
I think that all the data shows that that does have an impact on, phys on physician decision-making. And what that means is that, you know, and, and one example that I give is that um, Medicare, our healthcare, our government healthcare system for those over 65 in the U.S., pays a percentage um, to the physician or the hospital for infusible drugs. So if you have a drug that is very expensive, if you have a drug, a cancer drug that is $150,000, $200,000, and you or your hospital is going to get 6%, for giving that infused drug. And there's a diagnostic test that tells you that you really shouldn't give that drug. You're not really incentivized to use that diagnostic. Yeah. Because that 6% of that 200,000 for all those patients is a lot of money. Yeah. And I think you know what is what is very attractive to to working outside the US for me is the ability to get away from that stuff, is the ability to get away from thinking about how every decision in the U.S. is significantly financial and how there is always an entity on the other side that is looking, anytime you're saving money in the U.S. healthcare system, you're pulling it from another entity. So if you're saving the money, you're pulling it from another entity. And a lot of those entities are very powerful and they don't want that money pulled. Um, you know, we've worked on diagnostics and we've brought, we've helped bring to market diagnostics that dramatically shift costs and reduce costs or shift costs from one group to another. Um, and we've been told flat out, you know, that uh, one of those entities, whether it be a pharmacy benefit manager, pharmaceutical manufacturer, even a hospital does not want that to happen because that's how they make money. Yeah. And you know, going and, and building these models and showing in a country like Saudi that you can dramatically, if you use patient-specific data in decision-making, if you use better diagnostic tools to identify, risk stratify, predict response, prevent adverse events, prevent hospitalizations, you can dramatically change how patients are treated and really improve the outcomes and really decrease total cost of care the ability to do that without someone trying to claw back the money is is you know is very very attractive and i think it could really be a model for the rest of the world yeah i think the biggest i don't know the biggest maybe i don't know um but one flaw that the us definitely has is you know the cost of healthcare over there um because you don't want to go to the doctor thinking that how much is this going to cost me you know you want to go to help get treated so i think that I definitely agree on that one. Um, so what unique experience or skill set do you think that you would contribute um, to, the, to the connections that you make over there, to the relationships you make over there? What do you think you can contribute? So I think that I have a really unique way of looking at healthcare problems. Um, I think one of my skills is that I have a strong technical and scientific background um, but I'm also good with marrying that with sort of business, clinical decision-making, problem-solving. And so the way that I think about diagnostics um, and the way that I think about how we bring things like the Saudi Genome Project and, you know, genetics into reality and practice, instead of looking at how we do them and, and sort of where they can be used, is to really come at it from the other direction. And you know, what I really want to do is I really want to understand for the Saudi Vision 2030 healthcare project, 
what are the problems that they want to solve? I mean, we, we've talked to some people about rare disease. We've talked about oncology. But what are what are the specific problems that they want to solve? Um, and how do we, what data is available that we can look at that enables us to take those steps back and say, okay, if you want to solve this problem, what do you need to do? And, you know, an example of that in the U.S. is, um, that I, I talk about a lot is in the U.S. we have this problem um, with the rising incidence of colorectal cancer in the population that is not screened. When I say the population that is not screened, I mean either people who don't go for colonoscopy, even though they're technically eligible and it would be covered, or more people who don't realize that they're at risk for colon cancer. And they don't realize that they're at risk for colon cancer because they've never had genetic testing, because they've never asked about family history, or because they don't realize that obesity and type 2 diabetes are about four times more indicative of cancer than smoking is. Um, and so when we look at, you know, if you look at one of the problems we have in the US healthcare system is this rising cost of colon cancer or this rise, the rising cost of colon cancer and the rising incidence of colon cancer. Well, that's because we're not screening the right patients. It's not because the drugs are getting more expensive. It's not because we don't know why people are getting colon cancer. We actually do. We're just not targeting the right people. And so we built this data engine to show actually who should we should be targeting for screening. And then when we do that, we can show that if we, if we targeted the right people for screening, we would dramatically improve outcomes and save cost, but we have to be able to identify those patients using that data. Hmm, that's very interesting. I think that definitely makes sense. Um, and do you envision like any innovative partnerships or maybe a new product or any new service that you could create when you make those connections over there through this delegation? Yeah, we would really like to. I mean, I think we'd like to do a couple of things. I mean, one, we'd like to understand what the problems that that Saudi wants to solve are from a clinical perspective. You know, get a get a kind of top 10 list, be able to review that data and be able to talk with the Ministry of Health and clinical leaders about how they can put together a plan and how we can help. We would also like, you know, there there are a lot of diagnostic tools that are early market either in the US or Europe or in the rest of the world that I think could be significantly impactful in Saudi. And we would like to work um, with the Ministry of Health to bring those to Saudi, to enable the population to be tested with those, to be able to be have clinical trials run there and to show what the implementation would look like um, outside of a healthcare system that is so economically focused. And um, how do you hope your participation impacts, you know, perceptions or future delegations between the two countries, between Saudi and the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the relationship between the U.S. and Saudi has been a complicated one. But I think on healthcare, you know, which is where I focus all of my time, um, I think it's kind of I, th I think it's less complicated because we all want the same thing. Um, we all want to figure out how to improve the lives of the people in our countries. We all want to reduce the cost of healthcare. It's certainly something that we absolutely have to figure out in the U.S. And I think if there's a way for a country like Saudi to create a model um, that then the, maybe the U.S. can follow. Uh, in a way that that shows them, you know, both the improvements in clinical outcome and the economic benefit, 
um, I think that could, you know, I think that could be a really positive thing between the countries. Yeah, definitely. And how do you think that this delegation could influence your personal self and your leadership and your business back in your home country, the U.S.? Do you think that it impacts it in any way? Absolutely. I mean, anytime you get to meet leaders and talk with leaders, especially people you don't know who aren't in your circle, I think it's I think there's always an enormous opportunity to learn. Um, I'm very lucky that I have uh, such great connections to healthcare leadership in the U.S., but I also think that there are a lot of other leaders in other industries that I can learn from. I think healthcare um, has made has created a very difficult industry. And I think we could probably learn some lessons about how to streamline things, how to streamline decision-making um, and implementation. Um, it's not it's not quite tech, <laughs> um, but I, I always think that there's an opportunity to learn, especially from leaders in other industries. Okay. Um, so Hannah, something that I wanted to ask you was, are there any, like we've sent you the agenda of the trip, are there any like sessions or interactions or something specific on the itinerary that stands out to you or something that you're really looking forward to or any opportunities that you see in any one of the events that we're having? Oh, I would have, I, I honestly did not review the itinerary right before I got on this call. So I'd have to go back and look. Okay. <laughs> um, that makes sense. But is there anything specific that you're looking forward to when you go on the trip? Like one specific I mean, there's thing? There's a lot that I'm looking forward to. Um, from a business side, I'm, I'm looking forward to anyone that I can talk to within healthcare, the health ministry, as well as investors um, who could be interested in bringing technologies to Saudi or you know helping develop new technologies to specifically solve clinical problems. Um, we there's a dearth of financing in the diagnostics industry a lot because of the healthcare infrastructure in the US being so economically driven and so economically driven towards pharma and PBMs that the diagnostics industry um, has been challenged. And so I'm definitely looking forward to opportunities to discuss um, potential financing and structures around how to invest in diagnostic tools in ways that would enable them to come to Saudi. Okay. Um, and looking at the future, um, obviously we can't say anything for sure, but if you were to, you know, defy convention and make a bold prediction about, you know, the future of healthcare, what would it be? And, you know, how obviously technology can, you know, take over that and how your company would adapt to that. Is there anything that you think is an improvement maybe or anything? I mean, my bold prediction that kind of has to happen <laughs> is that all healthcare decision in the future will be patient-specific data informed that we won't be making decisions anymore based on average or based on just age or based on just, you know, X phenotype, but that we will, you know, screen for diseases based on your polygenic risk score, that we will uh, assess your, that we will know what your medication um, adverse event risks are before you're ever prescribed a medication that we will prophylactically treat for disease, for neurological diseases, because we'll understand the biological mechanisms and who is at risk. I mean, that is, that is the opportunity for what diagnostic tools can do. Um, and that is, I mean, that is where 
we should be and, and we really have to drive to, um, both from an economic, you know, if we don't, we're just, we're wasting all of these discoveries. You know, if we're not taking advantage of them, um, if we're not taking advantage of our knowledge and the ability to analyze genetic, genomic, proteomic metadata, then then we're really just wasting it. Yeah, that's true. And it's terrible to be stuck in one place for a very long time. I think growth is extremely important in every aspect, in every industry. Um, so I definitely agree with that. Um, so this brings me to my last question, actually. Um, your favorite quote and why? Uh, <laughs> a lot of favorite quotes. Um, but one that we use a lot within my company um, and I want to get it right here. It's Thomas Edison, um, which is a lot of people. Um, hold on. A lot of people miss opportunity because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. And, you know, a lot of people have asked who our competitors are in the space and why there's no one else doing the work that we're doing. And I think because, you know, it, it's harder work, you know, looking instead of making a cool discovery and trying to jam it into the market, I think that's a little bit easier than coming about it the other way. But I think that coming about it the way that we're coming about it is really where the opportunities are. You know, looking at the data and understanding where the clinical decision inflection points are and what data we'll need in order to develop the tools that will change healthcare that's really where the opportunity is. And that opportunity is massive. Um, so that's, that, that's sort of the, the ethos of our, the ethos of our company and how I, how I think about our work. I think that's great. Um, so that brings me, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Um, it was amazing talking to you and getting to learn more about your vision towards the healthcare industry, what you do. Um, I think I gained a lot of knowledge um, in this podcast. So it was definitely, I'm very happy to be talking to you and very happy for this conversation. And good luck for the trip. Um, I hope you achieve everything that you've envisioned for the trip, all your goals for the trip. Um, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm very excited. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you.